0: Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. Today's episode is a discussion and exploration around this dirty, tricky theme of expectations. I did an episode a few months ago called Expectations Are a Bitch and it's one of my most popular episodes. I think because we all have them and We all want to know how can we handle them better. They can be pretty painful and unpleasant. So today on the pod, I can't wait to have Kathy Onetto back with us. Kathy has been with us on the podcast before. I'll link our episode in the show notes. We talked about pace. We did a two-part series. And to be honest, we could have probably broken this episode up into a few series as well. A little bit about Kathy, she is a strategy executive and life work coach who is passionate about helping people succeed on their terms at work and in life. She is the founder of Sustainable Ambition and the host of the Sustainable Ambition podcast. You can check out more of Kathy's bio in the show notes. I will also link her great podcast. You can check out her episodes as well as all of the other resources and planners Kathy has on her website. On today's podcast, we talk about expectations, how can we be ambitious in our life and yet not get trapped in expectations, and how do we even have awareness of when expectations are showing up in our life and how can we manage them in a more skillful way. We tackle this subject from many different angles, even exploring how do we work with the expectations of others. I know you will take away so much goodness from this episode, so I hope you put on your earbuds and take us for a walk or sit outside and enjoy the sunshine while listening or do anything else that makes your heart happy as you ingest this knowledge and wisdom. So let's settle in and let's get centered. I'm excited to finally get here because you and I, just a little bit behind the scenes for people listening in, have been chewing on this topic for a few months now. And it's a really juicy topic, this intersection of ambition and expectations and goals and being ambitious and all of the things that come for our mental well-being, for our Desire for work life balance, for our just desire to be a human in this world. So, I'm excited to talk to you about all of these things. And I really hope for listeners, our intention is to explore what are expectations? What are ambitions? How do we have ambitions and also manage our expectations? How do we have expectations and not lower our ambitions you know how do we just work with expectations in a world that is begging a lot of
1: us this is a really meaty topic and i think part of it just to be transparent about this too even between you and I, part of the reason why we were wrestling with this is that these terms hold a lot of weight to them. And even just getting clarity around, well, what do we mean by either an ambition? People ask me that. Well, what, what is an ambition for you? And what do we mean by expectation? And so part of it is even just getting clear on how do we hold these things you know, and what do they mean for each of us? And how do we kind of then work with them in our day-to-day lives? Because as you're saying, for ambitious people, these, these questions that we're going to be wrestling with pop up a lot. So,
0: Kathy, kick us off. What does ambition mean?
1: Well, you know, if you look at the dictionary definition, there's two components to the definition of an ambition. And it's really around something you desire or want that you kind of want to go for, if you will, and which you're willing to put in the hard effort to go after. So there's these two components, like, what do I want? And I'm willing to put in the effort. For sustainable ambition, I add time in there, you know, and is it the right time for that ambition? But if I just come back to ambition, it's kind of essentially very simply, what is something I want and also that I'm committed to going after? And in my language, I say I'm willing to put in the hard work to go after that ambition. That's how I think about ambition.
0: Yeah, I love that definition. And I love the idea that we get to have – This permission to have these goals and to kind of make them lofty. They, of course, don't have to be lofty, but we have permission to think big. You know, that we have permission to think about what does our heart want? What do we want to be creating in our career? What do we want to be doing in our life? And I want to circle back to this because I think this is where we can get trapped. So I'll kind of pause there for a moment. But I'm curious like to think about can we have ambitions and not be ambitious so maybe even just before we
1: answer that like what does it mean to be ambitious Ooh, I this is such a good question and I don't know if I had thought about this but I I actually think the answer to this is yes and and part of that is because I think about like this idea of allowing ambitions to ebb and flow over time. And I think that one can hold an ambition. And and even when I think about ambition, if we just simplify it, I know not everybody in the academics wouldn't define it this way, but I just think about ambition as like it's a goal that you want. It's something that you desire, not something from society or family or what have you. Now we're starting to, in that regard, in my language, we're starting to step into like expectation territory. But in terms of an ambition, it's really a a goal, right? And I think that one could have a goal or hold an ambition and in one moment be really ambitious about it. Like, hey, I do want to strive for this. I'm willing to put in the effort now But there could be a time when you're like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to hold on to that as a goal, but I don't have the energy right now to be ambitious about it. I'm going to put it aside. I have goals like that in my life where I am pushing them out. Or, you know, I've had a goal where I've had times when I have the energy for it in that moment, um, but I haven't later. So I've had to kind of stagger and let things go up and down. So I don't know. That's how I see it. Wade, do you see it differently or what are your thoughts? I love that you put this idea around effort that we have
0: choice point like we can still be an ambitious person but we get to choose how much effort we want to direct towards those ambitious goals in our life and again that comes back to self and having choice not feeling like the world is dictating the choosing for us and asking ourselves do we have the effort do we have the capacity do we have the energy and in your sustainable ambition language right is it right time right effort to to put our attention towards that goal and ramp up our ambitious energy so I think there's a like for people listening to really just discern where you're turning up the energy, where you're turning up the attention, where you're putting your focus in your life. And is it something you want, right? Is it an alignment with your values? Is it in alignment with your goals or your ambitious goals? Or is it not? And to get even clear, are we directing our energy and attention towards the things that we say really matter to us at this point in life? So as you talk about as well in your work, right? Your ambitions are always changing, life is always flowing, and being conscious of where we're putting that focus. I'm curious to define expectations. How do you define
1: expectations? This is gonna be a little circular, I'm gonna admit. It's an outcome that is expected. It's almost like it should happen. Maybe it's also, it's like, I wanna have happen. I guess in some respects, it's almost like expecting a 100% probability around something when actually that probability is anywhere from zero to 100% probability, right? I kind of like an example to bring this to life might be, you know, somebody who is striving to be an Olympic athlete and they are really want to go to the Olympics and they have a gold medal in their reach and they actually go off to the Olympics and it's as if they're you know, performing and they're participating in the sport and they assume that they are going to get that gold medal as opposed to, it's not guaranteed. And like, you know, athletes kind of know like, hey, is it your day or is it not your day? You know, like sometimes there are circumstances out of your control. So I think that to, to me, an expectation is like an expectation of, of an outcome that is really actually uncertain.
0: I love that you said the word assume because there's a lot of assumptions built into expectations, right? That if I do X, Y is going to happen, like for certain. (laughs) And we can assume there's also this, in more Buddhist terminology, this wanting mind that comes up when we think about expectations. And the human mind has this tendency to get into our wanting, our grasping, which is typically driven by like all of our desires, all of our aversions, all of our anxieties, this kind of illusion that we can control life. And believe me, my my mind thinks that way all the time too. And and so just even noticing like wanting mind, like expectations like, oh, this is going to happen. I'm assuming this is going to happen can get us into a lot of trouble. And I say trouble, I really mean suffering. I mean disappointment, heartache, frustration, lack of self-trust. Like It can, having expectations and specifically failed expectations, create this really unhelpful and unskillful mental loop and patterning for ourselves. So I'm hoping today as we keep diving into this topic that listeners, you get to explore What are expectations that you have in your life? How are you managing them? How can we grow the awareness to them and learn how to deal with them in a more skillful way? So we can still be ambitious, right, Kathy? So we can still go after our goals.
1: For sure. And do you mind if I just build on the expectation piece, Wade? Because it's dawning on me that there is another aspect of expectation that I think is important to pull forward as well, which is... I guess I'm starting to sense this distinction between what we hold as a goal or an ambition and what we actually go after and then like what the outcome is. So my prior response was about like the outcome. And yet many of us walk through the world carrying a lot of expectations that are actually on the goal side or the ambition side. And it becomes that should aspect. You know, we walk through the world, many of us with these expectations that are external, externally placed on us right society places expectations on us women are supposed to be a particular way men are supposed to be a particular way we're supposed to be even a particular way see i just used gender terms like you know even that's like an expectation of how one is supposed to be presented out into the world so there are these societal expectations there's familial expectations that are often from outside of ourselves. And it's almost like, how can we also deal with some of those to, ter- to take back some ownership, to, to make sure that we're rooting things in what is more core to us and motivated um, internally as opposed to externally. And then there's the also the outcomes component of it that we talked about earlier.
0: Yeah, thank you, Kathy, for circling back to that because the shoulds that we all get trapped in If we're not conscious and paying attention can really put a lot of unnecessary pressure and restriction on us and distract us from living in alignment with our values or living in alignment with how we really want to be showing up in life.
1: So wait, how does this topic of expectations show up within your community and with your clients? Because I know this is how this topic got started between the two of us. You know, you were listening to something and we started doing some exchanges and conversation and this is really resonant for you in terms of your community. How does it tend to show up?
0: Oh my God, this is such a theme within my coaching, work with one-on-one people, with even in myself like I notice the expectation mind so present and it's something I've been studying and watching within myself and one of the things that I wanted to circle back to and this comes up for my clients that I just had a session yesterday where it was showing up when we talk about being ambitious and again a lot of my clients are these highly driven motivated individuals and so they have a lot of ambitions and they are ambitious. And so that piece around effort, right? Like how much effort do I want to put into things? There is this belief that they are so capable because they are very smart, again, driven, successful people based on their past track track record, that there's this belief that they can put 100% effort into almost everything that they are doing, right? It's a little bit of a perfectionist mindset that comes up here. And because they're so driven by this effort that they can put all of their energy towards these ambitious goals, then when some of the goals, the outcomes, aren't to their liking or their desire or what they assumed is going to happen or what should happen, as we're talking about, they start to spiral and it's this idea of comparing themselves of like, well, I'm, I'm a smart person or like I've done well in school in the past. I've always gotten like A pluses, like why isn't this happening? You know, what's wrong here? What's not working? And there's this then conflict that happens because it becomes about themselves and they start to question their own capabilities. And their own sense of self another client recently was sharing how you know she's she's working she's going going to the office like she has all of these goals these these dreams she's a very capable creative person and she is clear about what matters to her and she wants to have energy for the things that she says matters but then at the end of the day she's exhausted from work she's wiped out and so then she feels this sense of failure because she expects that she can do more in the day right she expects that she can again juice out more and that she should be able to do that and she should be able to do her hobby of painting because she's a capable person and she's skilled at it and she says it's important to her so why isn't it happening. Right? So then there's becomes that kind of expectation that we can get into which is really toxic. Like it starts to I see this for people, it starts to spiral into creating a lot of distrust within self. It starts to uh, break our own commitments with ourselves, which is part of the distrust. And it supports people kind of losing The confidence that they can be in charge of their attention, their energy, their focus, because they're starting to feel more like a victim to life, like things are happening and it's it's out of their control.
1: One thing about this, I think, is to come at this with a lot of compassion for self. And I know you're gonna probably say more about that. I want people to know, like, we're not judging this at all. Like wait and I are right there with you. This is a very human thing to be to be experiencing and going through. And where I tend to point people is it's it almost like is like people need permission to start to um relax things a little bit it's almost like how do you start to practice with allowing yourself a little bit more leeway around some of these things instead of holding on so tightly you know one of the questions that I often ask with my work is and it goes back to that okay well how ambitious do you want to be and how much effort do you want to put in is like well how good do you want to be you know and I I mean, I saw this in a book and it merely like made me for the first time years ago, really pause to think this is what got me to start to think about ambitions. Like, huh, have I really thought about how good I want to be? Like, do I want to be the best in the world or am I going okay being just good? And in most areas of my life, I'm actually okay just being good. Like, even as a runner, when I was running more, it's like, I didn't have the talent to be the best in the world. I was okay being, you know, above average. And yet I was going to put in a certain amount of effort that's required around that. But I wasn't putting in the amount of effort that, again, going back to the Olympic example, like an Olympic runner would put. But the thing that I would like bring and connect this back to is like, even one of the things that I often bring up in some of my work is to tell people like, well, what do you want to be bad at? And most people are really shocked. What do you mean I can be bad at something? And it kind of is speaking to what you're talking about, Wade. And I'm just kind of trying to come back to how can we allow ourselves to be a little more discerning around where do we want to put in the hard work? Where do we want to put in the effort? As opposed to assuming that we have to give everything our all. And is that one way that we can practice with that to allow just a little bit more room to let off the pressure just a little bit?
0: I think we need to be conscious, at at least in my framing, with some influence from Buddhism around, like being good at something, being bad at something, because those can be very judgmental terms for self. And I know you don't mean that in a like, again, being kind to ourselves, you're not meaning in a judgmental frame at all. But I think when we think about ourselves, especially with my clients, they can get in a very judgmental lens of what stick am I comparing myself to or am I measuring myself against? Because they're typically measuring it against family members, right? Or the expectations from their culture or their surroundings or their schooling or mentors. So that's one piece is just to be discerning about you know how we even measure ourselves showing up and when we talk about effort like can effort be effortless right like of course there takes work there takes focus there takes energy to do hard things to do courageous things to do challenging things and I think this is what you're alluding to of like can we take that pressure off of ourselves and also for my clients, and I'm sure your clients are very similar in this, leaning towards more of the perfectionist side, they're typically trying to give right, 110 a 20% at everything versus just aiming for that 80%. And I bet you their 80% is more closer to 100% comparatively. And again, not trying to compare. It's interesting, again, just the gauge in which we are... Putting effort into things and how we are defining how much effort are we actually putting in? Like I might have someone in my own life, you know, pointed, "Wow, Wade, you're doing a lot. You're doing podcasting, you're coaching, you're da 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 da." And in in my experience, I might be like, "Yeah, that doesn't actually feel like you know, it it the effort feels like it flows for me, and so it, it doesn't feel like that much from the inside as they might be saying it is from the outside." So discerning that amount of effort, I think, can be really helpful for people. And I think just to just even notice for us, like how do we know when expectations are present? You know, how do we know? How do we pay attention to expectations? For me, something that shows up in, in my world is noticing like, okay, I might create an ambitious goal and automatically my mind creates an image of what the outcome is going to look like and how I'm going to feel and that can be skillful to a certain extent right in the world of positive psychology and visioning and being able to see and embody that we can get there however like everything has a shadow side for me at the end. I see, you know, my book published, and I get this like vision of me on a book tour, and I'm holding on to it and I'm grasping for that outcome in my mind. And when it hasn't come to fruition yet, there is this sense of like disappointment of huh, why ha- why haven't I gotten there yet? And so I think. For listeners listening, it's like just to notice when do expectations show up for you? Do they show up in the sign of a visualization? Like you get an image in your head of what's going to happen at the end of that goal? Do you notice certain thoughts arise? People are going to leave this meeting feeling really engaged with my idea. Just even noticing how our mind creates these expectations and how they feel can be really helpful to then support us working with them. How do expectations, Kathy, show up for you or even just people in your community?
1: One of the places that you were pointing, Wade, that I think is really helpful in terms of sensing, and I'm using that word as a clue, sensing if expectations are at play are really tapping into your bodily awareness, right? Your somatic awareness and how you're feeling about things. And so one area that I actually do look at is energy. (laughs) So do I have energy for something or do I not? You know, and if I don't have energy for something, to me that starts to become a clue of, is that an expectation? Is that a should? And even if it's just simply an awareness of, oh, I don't have energy for that, at least then I can, it's it's a prompt for me to explore further. And I think it's an invitation to get curious about that. What's going on here? Another place that can often show up if you don't have energy is often if you're frustrated or if you're even bored with something. You even said, Wade, like energy for something and, and going back to that as a clue. You know, yeah, when we're in flow, it doesn't feel as difficult or like as as if we're putting in as much energy, right? Tapping into our intrinsic motivators, tapping into things that we love is a great way to change or shift what our energy. So even if you are having to do something, you know, you kind of don't want to do quite as much. If you can add something you love to it, your energy around that is going to change dramatically. And so making sure, I think, also like tapping into the right kind of motivation can can be a clue as well here. So I, I think a big clue is just you're not going to think it, right? You're going to feel it.
0: Yes, Kathy, I agree. There's so much somatic wisdom that our body can give us. And I also think sometimes it shows up as visuals or these thoughts in our mind that we can pay attention to and the more that we can notice oh look my mind is creating a story right here an expectation story of what this is going to look like or sound like or smell like or taste like and how we can slow that down when we create these goals for ourselves to call out the expectations ahead of time I think can save us a lot Of energy and support us staying focused and present on our journey of the ambitious goal versus future thinking already about the outcome
1: so Wade when you're working with clients where do you start to point them so you know you're sharing how this can this shows up a lot that this attachment to these expectations so how do you work with people to start to bring some ease here? A
0: lot of it comes by strengthening our mindfulness muscles to just pay attention, right? We, we can't change and work with what we don't know. So the more that people can name the expectation, feel it in their body, notice how it shows up, the more we can start to untangle from its grips And the more we can give it a reality check, and as you said earlier, right, like recognize is this a should because like society is telling me this is an expectation. Is this an assumption because of my past? I should be doing this, you know, another should, but a little bit more directed at the eye. It helps us get some distance. There's a phrase, right, we get to name something to tame it. And so it really comes down to us slowing all of these interactions down to gain the awareness to then be able to have some more choice point so that's the first step then the next step when we deal with expectations is to get clear on whose expectation is it as you were talking about kathy like is it societies is it mine and that's where we get to kind of course correct and really get clear around is this something we want to be putting our focus and attention on is this a priority and if it is what can and how can we make more space for it and if it's not how can we put it in the parking lot and come back to it when we're ready and then this third and fourth piece are way more of a internal dialogue practice around meeting ourselves with a lot of self-compassion and kindness like wow I had this expectation this was going to happen and like ouch it didn't happen and it hurts right now and I'm mad at myself or I'm sad at myself or I'm angry at the situation to just like call it out and then say to ourselves. May I be really kind and gentle with myself? Or wow, Wade, or wow, sweetheart, like it seems you really cared about this and it didn't unfold like you wanted it to. Like, I see how disappointed you are. And just hold that loving, tender space for our disappointment. And then this last piece is really important to offer ourselves forgiveness. Or offer the situation forgiveness. Or maybe offer the other person forgiveness. Practicing forgiveness is really hard. Like this is hard stuff. <laughs> I, I'm i saying it like it's flowing out. Like there is like a formula. And there isn't. These are just some ways to think about these practices. But forgiveness is really challenging. But it's so important because it helps release energy that Get stuck in the rumination or in the pain or in the heartache and it gives us an ability to heal so that we can direct that energy to something that's more forwarding so by forgiving ourselves for not meeting that career growth step that we were you know hoping and expecting to we can be really kind or to use that example of that client earlier like Can she be really gentle that she doesn't have energy at the end of the day to focus on her hobbies and give herself some kindness and also forgive herself for not having the energy? And when she can kind of meet herself there, that frees her up to then think about, okay, what needs to change? If I'm saying these hobbies are really important to me and I'm not able to prioritize them, what needs to change? So those are some ways that I work with my client from this mindfulness lens and somatic space so that we can keep doing the things that we want to be doing. What about you, Kathy? How do you support people in working with expectations?
1: One place that um, I start, and you, a couple of mine will overlap a little bit with yours, but maybe I'll use slightly different language, but one is is to shift from expectation, and that should, to something I really want to do. So really pointing people to help them identify, how do I define success on my terms? How do I make sure that the ambitions that I am going after are mine or are at least rooted in my personal motivations. So how do I motivate my own effort that I'm going to put behind my ambitions? So that's one place that I look. Um, Another place is also around setting realistic goals. Um, And part of this is for those in the corporate world, they might be familiar with the term SMART goals. But you know, that term of SMART goals has in it that you actually come up with measurement and goals that are attainable and realistic. And so yes, we want to stretch a bit, but it's also like, let's make sure they're not overly stretchy. And so one of the things that I ascribe to, and I, I'll admit, I have to remind myself of this. This is why I, I look to others also for insight. You know, Dory Clark wrote the book, The Long Game, and one of the things that she champions is around some of our goals and our ambitions, it can often be helpful to go and investigate how long did it take? You know, what did it take? What was the effort that was required? How long did it take for somebody to achieve X, Y, and Z? And so often it's set out there, right? Plenty of people say this, oh, they're an overnight success. And it's like, most people are not overnight successes. You know, it's taken them quite some time to get to where they are. And so by being able to kind of benchmark and get a sense of, oh, actually, you know, both of us are in the process of like working on books, we like to understand like, oh, some people write books really quickly. Some people, it takes decades, (laughs) you know, like there's different models out there. So to be able to even use as a benchmark so that you're kind of saying like, oh, am I setting realistic goals here for for myself? Um, I think that that can be helpful as well. The other two things I'll just share quickly, one is like around this idea of how do we have more um, kindness for ourselves around like our condition, what's called condition tendencies and how we tend to respond to some things and how can we kind of look at how we're responding around things like, oh, I, I expected that for myself. And to kind of ask ourselves with kindness, you know, hey, I developed this condition tendency as a way to serve me, like I, this is a learned behavior and it takes time for us to unlearn things too, right? And to, Or to learn new patterns. And can you look at how is this serving me and how is it not serving me? And then in using your, you know, mindfulness techniques too, and to get to a really centered place, like, okay, from that centered place, what do I want to choose for myself from here? And I think that can also be a really helpful way to kind of as you're saying, Wade, this importance of having awareness around these as a starting point, I think is is really wise. And it's kind of how do I then work with that once I have that awareness? And how do I work with it from a place of self-compassion? I love
0: that piece, Kathy, around really getting clear around what's realistic. I have this client who's coming to mind. He was like, Why am I not further along on my career? had all these kind of failed expectations. And for him, some of the work that we did was just even, can you expand the timeline, right? Can you expand where you think you should have been by your 40th birthday? Can you expand that? I think it can be really easy for our minds to create these delusional, future-forward realities that then when they're not met in that timeline, right, it can, can be really hard for our egos and sense of self to, to deal with that.
1: What I think both of us are talking about is that this requires first, like, the awareness that something is actually even there, the ability to then look at it with curiosity so you can start to think about how might I reframe it and then doing that with a sense of compassion so we aren't so hard on ourselves. I know that you say sometimes people really don't wanna hear it's a practice. You know, It's kinda like they just want the solution, but the reality is I think that we're human and I think this is a human tendency and the reality is I think we're better off actually if we embrace it as a practice because the more we practice with it, the better we're able to meet it when it shows up And it actually almost breeds even more self-compassion, is my sense.
0: Kathy, what if we explore how can people manage the expectations of others? Because another theme that comes up Mm. is, Mm -hmm. you know, my manager expects X, Y, and Z of me and the customer expects this of me or my family members, my parents have these expectations of me. So I'm curious, like, how do we get to work with those?
1: Just to be transparent on this, Wade, I think dealing with external expectations is really challenging. Take a societal expectation as an example. I I still think working against a societal expectation takes effort on our part. Going back to where your first step of like, I need to be aware of it and and then I need to be able to be pay attention and like be discerning around it. Do I want to challenge this expectation? Can I even name that this is an expectation that society is placing on me? And then how can I work with that expectation? And it does take effort, right? It does take a fighting against, if you will, to um, set your own expectation, to eschew that expectation and to choose for yourself, this is what I want, and I'm going to fight for what I want, and I'm going to step into that. I think familial expectations can be really challenging, and and I think requires difficult conversations, right? And I think that's both a conversation with yourself to, again, go through that work of allowing yourself to acknowledge that's an expectation that I'm feeling that's being put on me, and... How do I do the work to, frankly, it takes courage often, right, to fight against that expectation and then to choose for yourself the path you want to take going forward. And when it's family that's involved, there's likely going to be a difficult conversation that's going to be had around what you're choosing for yourself. I think the manager one is one where it's also a a difficult conversation, but it doesn't have to be. But I think it's about... Having that conversation around that's an unrealistic expectation of me, right? So, being able to actually, and you know, not knowing the exact situation, but say, even um, I'll, making something up that's a very simple one like, you think you expect that I get that report done by Friday and it's Wednesday at 3 p.m. I just have to tell you right now that that is an unrealistic expectation that you're putting on me because. What's my reality of the situation, you know, even using just a coaching model, like that's out there called grow. It's like, okay, what's the goal? You know, well, what's reality here? Like I actually have these other three projects that need to get done by Friday. So the reality is I do not have enough time or capacity to be able to get done what you're expecting me to get done. And so what are our options manager? (laughs) Like, what are our options together that we can ideate if that's your expectation of me? Like it's I'm letting you know it's an unrealistic expectation and we need to renegotiate together to reset a realistic goal that I can actually achieve. And then let's work out a plan as to how we're going to move forward. So in each of those situations, they're not easy. And yet I think it takes all these different steps that we've kind of talked about to kind of be willing to face them head on and then oftentimes then have a courageous conversation, be it with yourself or with another person.
0: I love what you shared there of how we can have these courageous conversations with a family member or a manager and even offering the GROW model as some structure. I also want to just call out sometimes when we are feeling it's an expectation from the outside in, it might also be our mind creating something. We have this imagined, maybe even our, our manager in that example didn't say by Friday, but you're assuming they meant by Friday and you create that expectation yourself that because you are such a driven, ambitious person that you want to make them happy, right? Because there's, in this power dynamic, there is that wanting to please people or wanting to please a parent. So even just slowing down to notice where is the pressure and the expectations coming from? And if it is actually from the outside in, can you get clear on those expectations? And as you said, have that conversation to set more realistic guidelines. And also, if it's someone like a parent. That is starting to feel like it's bleeding into your own well-being, right? That's where boundary work can be really helpful in untangling some of that pressure we feel from the outside in. Okay, zooming us out, you know we've explored ambition, ambitious, expectations. We've explored how they've showed up in our minds and bodies, how we can practice being with expectations, and being ambitious. Are there any other ways that we can challenge expectations to work with them so that they become more of our friend than enemy, to use that word?
1: For me, Wade, I learned maybe many years ago, and like I said, I, I've worked with this term expectation even in my work And from a marketing lens where I was championing actually that marketers shouldn't be setting expectations on their consumers and setting the societal expectations and instead tap into internal motivation. So this has been something that's been central to my way of thinking. And part of the research that I was doing around that time too was identifying through academic research how expectations can actually, and not, not meeting expectations can actually lead to even depression, right? And there is the term of how reality minus expectations equals happiness. So it's kind of like, be careful about your expectations. Um, and so I've, I've kind of held that for a long time. And I think also through various trainings have, shifted some of my mindset to help me in terms of working with this word. So a couple that I might just throw out there, sometimes people, and the research actually says this too, and I know you kind of pushed back on which was, some research actually says, oh, it's good to set expectations. But I think it's, again, the wrong use of the word in that sense. I think what research shows in some in some cases is that when we um, believe people and believe that people can do more that they believe in themselves, just think of Ted Lasso, right? If in that belief, you know, people are able to achieve more. And so I think even this shift from expecting yourself to like believing in yourself, being on your own side around something, expectations can feel so daunting and kind of pulling you down as opposed to belief in self, and and even through capability building even, or you and I have talked about the research shows, like start closer in, start to build your confidence. But yes, you have this big ambition, but start a shorter term goal and meet that goal and then build your momentum. And I think that can also build your belief and it can be a positive way of starting to shift from expectation to kind of a more positive way of working with your ambition. And then the second one I'll just throw out is also this is um, I don't know if people know about the Landmark Forum. I don't know if it's still popular or not, but, you know, something that my husband and I did many moons ago. Now, one of their big teachings is, you know, don't have an expectation. Instead, shift to this mindset of what am I committed to? So instead of that goes back to almost like, oh, that probabilistic, like I just expect that to happen. But instead of expecting something to shift it again towards, well, what do I really want to be committed to here? And that goes back to choosing what you want for yourself and what do you want to be committed to? Where do you want to be putting your energy and your effort? So those are a couple of ways that I that I kind of work with shifting that. I don't know if you have some as well, Wade.
0: Yeah, I want to emphasize the belief in self because that is huge and that's what I you know notice with my clients is like that lack of self-trust happens and so I love that reminder of us taking a smaller bite because again the bite that my ambitious clients want to go after is is typically a bigger bite and it's like okay let's just take it down a little bit so that you can start to build that self-trust build that self-mastery which supports you having confidence that you can then keep going. Instead of taking too big of a bite and you have trouble swallowing it and and you then spiral into that depressive episode because you expected you could actually handle it. Also what this again points to for me and the work I do with my clients around strengthening their awareness muscles, these mindfulness muscles, is what a gift it is to be in just the present moment. And if we can practice being in the present moment more in our life, we won't have expectations. Because expectations are really when our mind races to the future. And so when we come back to just the present moment, it's like, can we set our goals in the present moment and let them go imagining their butterflies you know, flying off into the ethos. We don't know what's going to happen or where, where will they land? being in the present moment and again noticing like anytime our mind starts to race to the future it's probably going to grasp onto some sort of wanting tied to expectations. For instance the silly example happened on vacation where I went to the bar to get a pina colada and I was expecting that this pina colada was like gonna bring me vacation happiness and bliss and this kind of like Expectation I put on this drink was going to offer me some sort of feeling. And we can't do that. That's where we get in trouble because, yeah, the pina colada kind of sucked, you know, and it didn't taste like vacation and it didn't shift me in. And then there was this like kind of failure of like, oh, why did I just spend money on that? And right. And so When we get into that spiral, then my mind was too much in the wanting, the grasping for something. I wasn't able to just be present and enjoy each sip for what it was, not thinking it was going to bring a certain outcome. So again, the gift of being present, it's really effing hard, but there's so much juiciness and happiness in life that is offered in the present moment. Um, Byron Katie, who's a spiritual teacher, has this quote that the only time we suffer is when we believe a thought that argues with reality. The only time we suffer is when we believe a thought that argues with reality. So it's just like, can we all be in the present moment a little bit more grounded in reality?
1: I love that, Wade, just one small build on that that links right in from my perspective is this idea of like, we can't control the outcome out there. All we can do is be committed in the moment. It's a beautiful quote. That's a great place to end us, I think, Wade. I know we've explored a lot of different territory here. And I think what people might be hearing is this is hard for us humans. And it takes a willingness to work with it. And to be with it. And, you know, I love where you landed us, Wade, which is, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple, which is to bring us to the sense of bring yourself to the present moment. I think that's a really beautiful way to kind of leave us with a parting thought and place to guide us when we're feeling those tensions of expectations. Mm.
0: Yeah, there's so much freedom in the present that we forget, you know, because we're so conditioned to plan, to do, to get somewhere, to grow. And it's like, ah, what's possible when we just are right here
1: and this moment is enough. Beautiful. Thanks, Kathy, for this conversation. Thanks, Wade. I appreciate you being in conversation. This isn't an easy, an easy topic um, as we've been going back and forth on it. So um, I hope that people appreciate that expectations are squirrely, but we can, with gentleness, tame them.
0: And to know that we're not alone, right? As you said, we this is a human patterning and we all deal with them. And how can we just be with them in a more skillful way. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Center in the City podcast. I welcome you to take a moment to digest all of this goodness and think about one takeaway you have around this topic of expectations and how we manage our ambitions. And think of a friend in your life or a family member that you want to share this episode with or even share your takeaway with them. May we support each other calling out these expectations that our minds create and start a dialogue to even understand how do they manage expectations. And let's support each other gaining more awareness so that we can live life with more ease and feel our centered selves. Until next time. Stay centered.